This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 60. Today, we are focusing our conversation on how healthcare leaders can become resilient during unprecedented times. Don't go away. Hi, healthcare leaders. I'm Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Trosett. We're your hosts for Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, and we are so grateful you joined us today. You're about to see healthcare problems and challenges through a brand new lens and take your leadership to a whole new level with this podcast. We've coached healthcare leaders from across North America for over 30 years as they strive to establish healthy healing organizations and thriving work cultures. This is the only podcast that shows healthcare leaders how to apply polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare to their reoccurring challenges so they can stop wasting time, money, and resources on fixes that fail. If you want to create a healthy healing organization where staff and leaders thrive and perform at their highest level, where values are aligned, outcomes are sustainable, and the highest quality of care is delivered, then this podcast is for you. Keep listening. Each week, you're going to learn how to leverage a polarity mindset and manage competing priorities as we use a polarity lens to explore everyday challenges with the leaders who are striving to manage them. We're thrilled you're here. Hi, everybody. It's Tracy. And Michelle, and we would like to welcome you all to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. And today we are talking about a topic that's near and dear to our hearts, and that is being resilient as a leader. So today we are going to discuss strategies that will help you build resilience as a healthcare leader. We're going to explore the tension between taking care of you and taking care of others and its impact on resilience. We're going to discuss the role beliefs play in developing resilience. They're pretty huge. And lastly, recognize how habits influence the ability to develop resilience. So it's a pretty big show today. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And you might wonder why it is so important that we build resilience now uh, as healthcare leaders. And the National Academy of Medicine Action Collaborative on Wellbeing and Resilience, they did a webinar back in May, May 7th to be exact. And it was just so great. And it was really uh, important. It was entitled Supporting Clinician Wellbeing During COVID-19. And the whole webinar stressed the significant impact that COVID pandemic is going to have on clinicians on the front lines and leaders managing all the magnitude of changes. And we all know by now, it's not going away overnight. So we're still in it, right, folks? And uh, clinicians and leaders are already burned out before the pandemic. We know that as well. It's well documented. We've all experienced it. And what the NAM leaders really brought forward was their concern about a dual pandemic with the additional strain and burden being experienced by essential health care workers. And um, standing beside or holding up all those clinical uh, frontline workers are the leaders. So we know this is really an important topic right now. Oh, it is. And, you know, isn't that scary? I mean, just the sound of a dual pandemic just makes, gives me goosebumps. I mean, it's just like, oh, man, you know, that's that's scary stuff, right? And we know, and we've been hearing from the healthcare leaders, just how concerned they are as well and how much they really want to be supporting the staff. I mean, that's a big point of 
tension for them, right? Their ability to support these, these clinicians. And at the same time, right, you as leaders are experiencing unprecedented changes and stress and, you know, challenges yourselves. Um, and uh, so, you know, the future, the future is going to sit squarely on the leader. It's up to the leader, right, to provide the resources to make the changes necessary to support the staff and uh, address these challenges in the work environment. And they're not going to go away, um, mm-hmm. right? And especially not anytime soon. And they, you know, they may increase, they may ebb and flow, but they're going to be here for a while. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the conversation we had just last week with one of the leaders, a large healthcare organization. And she said, you know, I hold my breath every time the COVID numbers come in. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just waiting for that, you know, it's like waiting for the hammer to come down. Right. And she's, you know, so, I mean, as leaders, you probably already realize that you you can only hold your breath for so long. Right. right. That's right. Um, and, you know, we also have heard from you as leaders that you're, you know, what you're experiencing and your biggest challenges and some of the things that you brought forward to us is just managing anxiety around all of this, right? And uh, calming the staff anxieties as top of mind as you deal with that on a daily basis. Um, supporting students. I mean, the implications of covid and student placements and how do we help the students and the future generation have also been very much in the minds of leaders. Um, just dealing with staff fears, supporting staff who are scared, you know, keeping morale up right now. Cause again, it's that ongoing stress, right? So keeping the morale up is critical. Um, and just, you know, overcoming fear, your own fear, your colleagues fear, keeping team members safe, um, keeping staff calm. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on of what you're dealing with now on a daily basis. So with your own family too, there's also a lot on your mind right now, you know, keeping your family at home and children safe. You want to keep everyone COVID free at home and, um, also not, you know, not minimize the quality of time that you spend with your family as well. And we know that your children are distant learning right now. So there's, again, just a lot, on, you know, a lot of challenges right now. Wow. Just listening to that list is like terrifying. <laughs> I, feel so I know. Bad, right. I just feel so bad for all this yeah. that people are carrying around right now. Yep. They are carrying a lot. And, you know, and then it just comes back to you the individual leader, right? That's holding it all together. So you're very much on our thoughts and minds and how we really can help help with this, making a case for resilience. But not only that, it's understanding actions you can take to really make it a reality. Yeah, so true. And you know, um, one of the takeaways from the NAM webinar in May and from even recent publications, right? Has been start now. <laughs> yep. Take action now. Early intervention and support is really important. Um, so today, that's why we're going to talk about a few different ways to really build your resilience. Uh, we're going to talk about um, beliefs mm-hmm. and habits and managing this, taking care of yourself while you're taking care of and supporting others to help you develop resilience right now. And these three components really are at our components of our dynamic balance effect that you know, it's a framework that we leverage to help healthcare leaders develop balance and resilience at work and at home in their personal lives. And, uh, and you know, I just 
just to have everybody on the same page, I think it's always important, you know, to kind of share your perspective of what is resilience? Like, what do we believe resilience is? Because people may have different perceptions about that Mm -hmm. as we go forward. It'd just be good to have that baseline. So when we talk about resilience, we're talking really about that ability to recover quickly and easily from upsets, difficulties, or setbacks, right? It's that kind of that toughness, that bounce back ability (laughs) when you're facing, you know, just challenging and difficult times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the word bounce back, just popped out at me right before you said it, because it is really that ability just to reframe, bounce back, keep going and and be resilient. So it's so important. So Tracy mentioned beliefs. This is huge when it comes to resilience. And uh, it sits under uh, pillar number one in our living principles and the dynamic balance effect. And what we've learned is that your perceptions and interpretations or stories about your beliefs and your beliefs, they're unconscious. Um, So they're automatic and they just, they're there. You, you may not even realize it. Uh, and they're based on previous experiences. So that's how they, that's how they develop. Right. And we draw conclusions or attach meanings to different experiences we may have. So it may come from just these experiences. Our beliefs may come from relationships. You know, what we've learned from other people could be your parents, could be your teachers. Um, we, a lot of the beliefs are shaped by media, right? We know that's media, social media, news outlets, um, and books. Um, they could be just social norms that develop, um, different authorities could come from your cultural background. So they really, there's a lot of sources that can really shape your beliefs. Yeah. So, you know, there's just things that we're indoctrinated with. We don't even know. Yeah. I mean, you think about like when you were a kid, do you remember saying the Pledge of Allegiance every day? Mm-hmm. You didn't even know what it meant to have allegiance, but you said it every single day, right? Like, yeah. so it's those kinds of things. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's right. an example, right? Of how, you know, we learned things and they became our core beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just that unconscious belief that creates that interpretation or your lens kind of, it's how you see the world, right? It's the glasses you put on every day and how you see yourself how you see others, how you see the world in general. Um, and you will only see what your perceptions and interpretations allow you to see because that's the lens you're wearing. Yeah. And what happens is in time of crises, it can reveal unconscious beliefs that we have. We didn't even know we had them. <laughs> it's like, where did that come from? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so some examples are, you know, just, in looking at what we're experiencing today, right, regarding even the following, the recommendations to wear a mask or social distance, right? We're seeing people all around us make choices based on their highest values, right? Some are choosing safety because it's their highest value and others, it might be freedom. So those beliefs are showing up all around us. Yeah, right. And, and, you know, really the beliefs are our values, Mm -hmm. right? What matters to us. And um, so I love this quote. It says, what happens is of little significance compared with the stories we tell ourselves about what happens. And that comes from the Hakawati. And it's, now I don't, I really don't even know how to pronounce this name. So <laughs> I'm going to try, but it may be like, oh, I might totally butcher it. I'm, it's Rabba Alamandine. And um, anyway, I love the quote. 
Because <laughs> it just really makes you think, right? About it's not necessarily what happens, it's how you interpret and the story you tell yourself about what happened. We um the stories we tell ourselves are related to those beliefs and it creates that interpretation, right? I mean, there's just layers to this. And um that's about every situation, every uh every experience that you have, and then you act. This is what's so important is you act from that place of interpretation or story, creating your reality, really. Right. And what we don't realize is that most of the time, it's only an interpretation or story, right? It's not a fact. And so that really leads to beliefs, you know, they are the kingpin to changing your stories, your actions, your outcomes. So we got to dig deep, folks. we got to dig deep. Well, and you can change them. That's what's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can. So right now, uh, amongst this, you know, COVID crisis, it's a great time to ask yourself, what story are you telling yourself right now about the COVID-19 pandemic? You know, and what story are you telling yourself about your ability to be resilient and a balanced leader? Maybe you're even giving up on that. So what is your story? Yeah, that's a great, that's, those are great examples. And so here's another thing is, you know, so let's talk about that. So also as a leader, um, you might be thinking leaders have to be strong and can't show any weakness during this time. Right. Because you're there to support the staff. I have to, I have to be strong. I can't show that I'm challenged at all. Right. Or sometimes as leaders, this isn't necessarily anything related to COVID or the current situation, but sometimes as leaders, we think, well, if it's going to get done, then I'm the one that's got to do it. Yeah. And at times like this, that might even be on steroids. I got to get it done. That could be true too. That could be true too. Right. Or you might even be telling yourself, I'm not as strong as my colleagues. This doesn't seem to be impacting them at all. Right. But that doesn't mean that they're showing how it's impacting them. So you may be making an interpretation that it's not right impact mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it can be a story that you're telling yourself as well yeah it's easy to make assumptions isn't it mm-hmm. yeah so there's three different types of beliefs that most people acquire and we just need to be aware of them and that's what Tracy and I are bringing forward so let's just see if any of these resonate with you um first of all it's just that feeling of inadequacy right and so you can develop that belief of I'm not fill in the blank I'm not good enough I'm not smart enough. I'm not tough enough. I'm not talented enough. You know, you're just, the list could go on and on. Um, Another type of belief is just one of scarcity, right? Um, There isn't enough to support. There isn't enough time. There isn't enough money. There isn't enough resources. So we can go down that belief path. Um, And the third one is trust, right? We can really develop beliefs about who we trust And that's including yourself, um, the government, uh, maybe the executives on your team, staff, the CDC, the World Health Organization. Like, who do we trust? So these types of beliefs limit you, though. They they put you in a limited mindset, and they really connect you to fear, failure, discontent. And they actually can hold you back, and then that, that can prevent you from taking action. But like Tracy said earlier... The good news is you can change your beliefs and your stories. And as a result, you can change your results. Yeah. Yeah, you can. You can. Ashley, I have a story to tell about that. You do? I do. I do. <laughs> I have a story. I have quite a story. <laughs> it's a big story about beliefs and resilience, really. Right. And so just to give a little backstory, you just have to know I've been uh, 
a student for almost 10 years, right? I, about 10 years ago, I started, I went back to school, got my bachelor's degree, then was encouraged by hmm, some people in my life. Keep going, keep uh, maybe going. the person next to me, right? <laughs> keep going, go get your master's. You can do it. My husband, yeah, yeah, go, go, right? So I got my master's in health professions education. Then, oh no, that wasn't enough for these people. <laughs> go, 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 right? So now I'm in a PhD program and a PhD candidate uh, studying interprofessional healthcare. And um, so this this happened like last year in February, right? Like um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a a student. I've completed two years of my coursework. I'm in the PhD program. I'm working on my dissertation, actually creating my proposal for my research study. And I, um, I had submitted some, uh, I had submitted a couple chapters for review by my committee. Right. And I happened to have a business trip and I was in the airports like 5 AM in the morning. Right. And I'm standing in line waiting for the baggage check right to open so I can check my bag and hop on my flight. And um, I noticed I had two emails in my inbox. I thought, you know, you're standing there. What else are you going to do? Check your email. <laughs> so I started to check my email. We all do that. <laughs> I don't. So um, I'm looking at my email. <laughs> and I, um, I, I'm like, oh, great. I've got two emails, one from my chair. And then I noticed there was another email from the program director. And I'm like, hmm, you know, maybe this is some feedback or something. And I open it up and and I'm reading this email from my chair. And I'm about like, I think there was a huge thud heard around the world as my jaw hit the floor. Because he's telling me that he had to tell the program director that um, I had not made any progress that quarter. And that he wasn't, uh, you know, that I needed to talk to her about the implications of that. So I'm like, what are you talking about, right? I have no Im- no implications of any of this kind of concern prior to this email from my chair. So then I open up the next email, which is from the director of the program. And she's telling me, I don't have any option but to give you an F for this quarter. And any time a student receives an F, they're at risk to be dismissed. I have to talk to you right away. Like, I am just like, my heart is pounding. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I just can't even believe what's happening in front of me, right? Like, I had no idea there was any kind of challenge happening. And, um, you know, so of course, I try to reach out to my chair. He's not responding to me. I talk to the program director. You know, we have a good talk. She's like, here's the course of direction you need to take. Set up a call with your committee. See if we can't get this decision reversed. You know, see if there's some way to remediate this situation. Then we'll go from there, right? Now, you just got to know. I'm a 4.0 student. So getting a, having an F and being, you know, at risk to be dismissed from the program after I've been working on this for four years is just like devastating to me, right? I feel like I got smacked in the face with a two by four. It's taken by total surprise. Um, anyway, so let's fast forward about a week later and I'm have, I'm in a coaching program and I'm on a group coaching call and I'm getting ready to have this remediation meeting the next day with my committee. And I'm talking to my coach about it. And I'm like chicken little, right? Oh my God, this is the worst thing that can ever happen. What if they don't pass me? What if they don't let me remediate it? Whatever, you know, like I'm just like all over the board, right? With all these beliefs about how this is a disaster. It's the worst thing that can ever happen. And he just said, you know, Trace, just a minute here, right? I'm going to challenge you to shift this because you're hanging on to the outcome and you're not in control of that outcome. And 
you just remember that everything in your life happens to you for a purpose and that it happens so that you can grow and evolve. And you don't know right now what the purpose of this experience is, but I'm going to challenge you to let go of that outcome and trust that what's happening is happening for the right reasons. And I was just like, wow, you know, like total, total shift for me, like just Mm -hmm. total shift in letting go of that limiting belief that this was a disaster and the worst thing that could ever happen. And I did, I just totally let go. And I thought this is going to happen. It's going to take its course. Right. Right. So eventually what happened is I didn't get dismissed, but I faced another decision point around, do I continue? Right. Because Mm -hmm. my committee quit on me. Everybody quit. I had to get a new committee. And, uh, you know, so it was just this long progression of things that occurred that challenged what I believed was true and what I needed to do. And what I knew about myself was that I wasn't a quitter, that I wasn't going to be a victim. I could have fallen totally into, I'm a victim. These people are you know, wrong. <laughs> and I didn't, I just shifted it to some liberating truths that everything happens for my highest good, that this was not the right committee for me. I bless them fully with, I hope that they learned their, whatever they were here to learn. And I just trusted that this was the right thing. And now a year later, I'm in a perfect position. Everything's moving, you know, moving forward. And I made more progress in last year than I had made in a, you know, two years prior. So it all did happen the way it was supposed to happen, but I had to have that mental belief and that set how I acted and how I followed through on everything that came out of that situation. So. Such a powerful story. And as someone that kind of lived through the story with her, (laughs) I was, I was on the other end of that plane when she got off (laughs) and, you know, I had to work through my stuff too, related to that, right. Knowing, you know, that Tracy is a 4.0 student and probably the hardest worker I've ever, you know, been blessed to be a worker with a partner with and But I think that lesson that she learned is so powerful and it just shows you the power of having a belief in what you hang on to. And now seeing the outcomes of shifting that belief, it's just amazing. And it's so freeing, isn't it, Tracy? It just like changes everything. Oh, it did. It did. And you know, it was, and I, so I think that also happened so that I could learn the value of my beliefs and Mm -hmm. the power of them, right? So it wasn't just in that situation, shifting and moving on, being a creator versus a victim. It was really about the power of beliefs. And uh, it's phenomenal. So that's a great story to remind all of us that shifting your limiting beliefs to liberating truths um, can really empower you, right? To take that positive action and it leads to different outcomes and even joy and fulfillment. So it's so powerful. And, you know, we have beliefs as leaders and it comes in different forms as well. So we may have a belief that a limited belief that leaders have to be strong and we can't show any weakness, but we can flip that right into a strong leader is genuine and shares their vulnerability is really authentic. That's a liberating truth around that. Um, You could have a belief that again, like we said earlier, if it's going to get done, I'll have to do it. But you can flip that into a liberating truth of, you know, when others do the work, they develop their capacity and capability. And as a leader, that's critical that you have a team of strong people around you. Uh, Another one is this pandemic. You know, we could put deep in within us that this pandemic is the worst thing that ever happened. 
And we could flip that into everything happens for a purpose and a reason and just be open to your part in that. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's a lot of people running around like chicken little, you know? Yeah, exactly. And we could just say, this is a, this is a reset. That's our belief, right? This is a reset. <laughs> yeah. It's opportunity time. <laughs> yeah. So look for the good, right? Look for the opportunity for change. Be attuned to what's this informing all of us, right? And uh, another one is, you know, just... I'm afraid to apply for that position or I'm afraid to make a career move, right? That can really hold people back. Flip that around to a liberating truth. And it can be as, you know what? Everything I want is on the other side of my comfort zone. And just, that's my belief. So those are just some other examples. Yeah, that's one I use all the time. You know, anytime I face tension of doing something I've not done before, it doesn't have to even be like changing jobs or something significant. Just can just be making a phone call, right? Yeah, <laughs> Reaching out yeah. to somebody you've never talked to before where you're hesitant and you, you don't want to do it. You know, you just, hey, what I want is on the other side of this. So I just do, you know, then it gives me the courage, right? It strengthens me to know I can do this. This is not a big deal. Right? Well, it's like starting a podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, something like right? that. And, and just having this liberating truth that, you know, we'll figure it out. We don't have to know everything the day first day. <laughs> well, and the other thing is just that we've got a message to share that people, you know, can use, right? They can Absolutely. Use support, so. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, that gives you a lot to think about when it comes to <laughs> beliefs and just check your beliefs, you know, that's all. And I, I guess I just want to say too, it's not that. Um, these beliefs are wrong or that the people thinking them are wrong. It's just that some beliefs are limiting and it's recognizing how it's holding you back. So that's really kind of the takeaway from that is some of our beliefs hold us back and they Mm -hmm. prevent us from being all we can be from stepping into our true capabilities. And that's really kind of what we're saying when it comes to resilience, right? Don't let it hold you back or keep you down. So let's talk a little bit about taking care of self and taking care of others, because that's a big part of this as well. Mm -hmm. We want to take care of others, but, you know, you really got to have a full cup to do that. Okay. And when it comes to resilience, a limiting belief um, that can have a significant negative impact is that, you know, patients and staff always come first. And this is tends to be, you know, a trend for Mm -hmm. leaders. Um, And you might already realize this unconscious belief moves us away from taking care of ourselves and putting everybody else first. And that can limit you even in your ability to care for those other people if you're not filling up your own cup, right? And the liberating truth is it's easy to take care of my needs first. And that enables me to have enough reserve to take care of the other. So that's a way to flip that, right? Yep. To honor taking care of yourself as a way to support others. And we've talked a lot about the self and other multiple times. (laughs) (laughs) We've done multiple episodes. Episode number six with Dr. Diane Bradley, she talked about taking care of herself and taking care of others. We've talked about this and just in a deep dive in a solo episode with just Michelle and I was number 14. Um, in number 35, we talked about the leader and the employer and taking care of self and taking care of others. So those are some deeper dives into this particular tension. Um, but we want to bring it here again, just at a high level, because it's a big part of resilience and developing yes. resilience. <clears throat> 
Yeah. So it is, it's a biggie. So taking care of self, taking care of others. And um, this really fits within the managing tensions in pillar number two of the dynamic balance effect. And uh, we've really pulled it out because of that resilience factor. And um, it's part of our mission to care for others. And therefore we tend, you know, we, we like Tracy said, we tend to overfocus on caring for others. So it's a very important one in being a resilient healthcare leader. Um, so let's just talk about some of the positive attributes of taking care of others. Cause right. There's some very good things about that. We really want our staff to experience positive support. So we need to be there for them. Um, and strong workplace relationships are really important. So when we're taking care of others, that really opens up and is really nurtured. Um, contributions to quality care. You know, if people are taken care of and they have what they need in the front lines, it's going to impact the quality of care. Absolutely. And impact on productivity, right? Same thing. So, you know, have you considered though, here's the question, what putting others before yourself is going to cost you in the long run if you overfocus on that? Because there is a cost. Yes especially if you're overemphasizing it, right? And mm-hmm. so some of those unintended, and these are not intentional, right? This is unintended consequences that happen when we when we make that choice to just really support others and not ourselves is you begin to feel overwhelmed, right? Because your your cup's being sucked dry, right? Like you've got nothing to give. You're unable to manage your own workload. The other thing that can happen too is you don't have the energy to meet the expectations, mm-hmm. right? You just... You don't have enough reserve to draw from. So again, you're running on empty here and you can't meet all those expectations. Um, And you end up not being a good role model. And people are watching you, Mm -hmm. right? They watch what you do, how you respond, how you act. So you're a role model all the time. It's just like when you're at home with your kids, (laughs) right? (laughs) So, you know, that's the other thing. And then eventually you'll get burned out you yourself will get burned out giving everything you have to everybody else. And you can actually develop compassion fatigue. And that's, that's a big risk right now, right? Because we're so concerned about the staff and how they're, what they're experiencing as essential workers on the front line every day. And then the challenges they have with even just trying to go home to their families that they've been taking care of COVID patients. And, and so you can actually just develop that compassion fatigue. Um, And so that's a, that's another unintended, right, um, mm-hmm. consequence. And, you know, I think, too, for me and my story is I was thinking back because taking care of yourself and taking care of others is a big part of your life. It's an all the time kind of thing. And I was thinking about how this how this impacted me and what happened to me in my dissertation story. Right. And what I realized is in hindsight, going back six months later, you know, or earlier thinking back, you know, I had. I had a ton of things happening in my life with my family, right? My daughter was hospitalized for a month before her baby was born. So I was living in her house, taking care of her other two children. My son, like a week after that, my son broke his ankle really bad, had to have surgery. I was there taking care of his kids and helping his wife. Right after that, my mother-in-law fell and we had to go out there and help to take care of her. So I had all these things that were happening and um, in that filling up my own reserves, right? I was giving everything I had to everybody else and not taking care of myself or um, creating the space and the the environment I needed to continue on in a strong way in 
you know, my work around my dissertation too. So I really think that that probably could have had an impact um, on, on those results. Right. So you think, you think, yeah, I think, (laughs) yeah, it wasn't even just about not having time. It was just about where all my energy and everything was going. Right. And just impacts your focus and all kinds of things. So, you know, I think it's just, uh, it's always good to reflect on the whole of everything. I think that's the point, right? It's like, it's not just one thing. There's a lot of dynamics happening in your life and balancing all those can help keep you strong and resilient. Yeah. Such a great, uh, you know, recognition or reflection to look back and see everything else that was going on in your life at that time. Right. I think we had a theme for that year. I can't remember what we called it. Do you remember what we called that year in your life? OMG. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Really? One more thing. Really? (laughs) Really? I would do that too. Really? Really? You gotta go go where now? (laughs) Uh, So it's just a great reminder, Tracy. Thank you for sharing that story that if you do overfocus on others, whether you want to or not, there's going to be, there's going to be a, you know, a negative consequence that happens and it does impact, um, it does impact outcomes. So it's a great reminder, you know, fill your cup first, put your oxygen mask on first and to manage the tension, you know, it really calls us to make mindful choices, to take action or maintain the positive outcomes of both. And so then it just, then that really brings us to, well, how can we do that? How can we make sure that we are taking action, not only on caring for others, but also making sure we take care of ourselves as well. And we know, and we've learned in our journey that the best way to do that is to make uh, the actions a habit, right? Build them into your routines. Hey, it's Tracy. We're going to get right back to the episode, but first, you may or may not know, registration is now open for our Work-Life Balance Bootcamp. This bootcamp was designed to help healthcare leaders like you find joy, live with intention, and make a difference at work and at home. In the bootcamp, we help you create your own Work-Life Balance Blueprint so you can manage the tension that you feel between work and home easily and effortlessly. To register for the boot camp, simply go to missinglogic.com forward slash new dash events where you can register. Now let's get back to the episode. So yeah, you know, um, what's so great about habits is habits are automatic. (laughs) (laughs) You learn your habits over time. And this is another like right along the line with beliefs. This lesson around habits is just so powerful, right? Because they, they're they perpetuated unconsciously. So when you create a habit, it makes everything so effortless and easy, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just a part of who you are. And one of the things that I learned is that, and I learned this from my coach, Jim Fortin, is that everything we do or have is because we are in the habit of doing it or having it. And what we don't have, we are in the habit of not having or not doing it, right? So a habit is everything. It's everything you do have and are, are related to your habits. And that means that then you can do, be, or have anything you want if you create a habit around it, right? And so when you really think about your life, your life is a reflection of the habits that you have 
unconsciously adopted and perpetuate over time. Yeah. I think, I think really what it causes us is to relearn what we've always thought we knew about habits. I know for me, it's like, it's, there's a lot more to it than what we think, you know, um, and habits are brain-based, you know, it's that rep, uh, reptilian part of the brain that thinks in a survival mechanism, right? So 95% of what you do is a habit, right? It's subconscious and a habit starts with a single thought, um, and we go into our habits with no analytical thought, right? It's just more like our routines. We don't think about it, right? It's things like, um, you know, brushing your teeth in the morning, getting your cup of coffee, right? And you just do so many of the same routines every day and you really give no analytical conscious thought to it. And how many of us have driven home from work and not even remembered the drive home, right? It's just... You know, you're, you're kind of like, okay, how did I get here? Because I don't remember the last 10 minutes. <laughs> but that's how the brain protects you, right? And it makes it so that you don't have to use your capacities. You don't have to use your mind all the time and think about everything. Well, that's just it. And then they become habits that you don't think about at all, right? It's just becomes part of your norm. And they, they just happen over time. And you don't even realize it sometimes. Yeah. yeah, it's as simple as just the shows you watch on TV. Yeah. So I can tell you the habit my husband's gotten into. <laughs> <laughs> I can too. <laughs> During COVID, he is really into these home shows, right? Like every night he's watching these home shows. And it's just become a habit. Like it's just what he does, right? Um, same thing with when you go to a restaurant. You know, you ever have a favorite restaurant you go to and you order the same meal, right? Mm-hmm. Like you order or the same dishes over and over and over and over. And, you know, I think too, um, we had company this weekend at our house and most people put their trash under the sink and our trash is not under the sink, right? It's in a different location, but people would go open up the door under the sink to put their trash in there and then realize the trash isn't there. That is just a brain-based habit, right? That people have. Well, yes. Who doesn't keep their trash underneath the sink? Me. (laughs) I had had no idea you were making all those observations. That's funny. Well, it's true. But see, that's just the subtleness of this. This is what I mean. It's so subtle. You don't even know it's a habit, right? And the brain wants you to continue your habits because it's about survival. Mm-hmm. And it wants you to use as little energy as possible in your thinking every day. So once it sees that you're doing something repetitively, right, it, it catalogs it and it just take your subconscious takes over and takes care of it so that you don't have to think as soon as your feet hit the ground, okay, I have to get up. I have to brush my teeth. I go in here, I get my toothbrush, right? Then I go, I get my coffee. Then I go, right? You don't, you just do it because your, your brain is taken over, right? So Neural pathways are created when you do something over and over and it's reinforced and then the brain takes over. So it doesn't go away. That's when you, you know, so when you quit a habit, that's why you can never go back to it because that pathway is there. Once you do it, you know, it's like smokers. If Mm -hmm. you quit that, you can't just have a cigarette, right? You can't just, you know, five months later, a year later, because that neural pathway is there and it will trigger what it needs to do to it'll think, Oh, we're back to being safe. You doing this. Right. And it'll have you do it. So it's just, that's why you have to create new neural pathways. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we talk about resilience and leveraging habits, we have to create new neural pathways to get that habit ingrained in us, right? And it takes a little bit of time to do that. <laughs> it does. And it takes, it takes intention too, right, Tracy? I mean, you have to really think about this. What's really going to support me in managing the tension of taking care of self and taking care of others? And so from a self perspective, it's really focus it on yourself. What is going to help you? Um, and maybe it's daily meditation practice. You know, maybe it's just real establishing a very effective morning routine for you so that you are centered before you walk out the door or not even walk out the door anymore <laughs> necessarily, but just, you know, go to work. Um, it could be socially focused, right? Taking care of yourself. Um, connecting with friends. I know I intentionally every week when I do my weekly planning, I pick two to three people that come to me, like I'm going to reach out to them this week. And that's really important for myself that I'm staying connected to people I really care about. Um, it could be physically focused, you know, maybe it's going on morning walks, evening walks. Um, but something that's really taking care of your physical body too, is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, it can just Base it on your realities today, right? And sometimes yeah. too, it's like we might have had a habit that we felt like we had to drop, right? Like it, maybe just shorten it, you know? Spend mm-hmm. one minute in quiet meditation if you don't have 10, right? Like yeah. just do something and keep it going. I think those are great. And then there's habits about taking care of others as well. And, you know, even, um, you know, like some of our habits around weekly team huddles and rounds. How can you do them differently? You may not be able to be face-to-face or be together, but create, be innovative and create a habit about doing that, you know, in a different way so that you keep that connection, you keep that communication open. Um, I know for us, we call my in-laws every Sunday around the same time every week, right? Just that's our connection with them. They look forward to it. If we don't, if something gets in the way and we don't call, they're usually pinging us. What's going on? Where, how come you haven't talked to us? So, I mean, we do that pretty much every weekend. Um, and then, you know, it can be just, you know, even a Friday night movie night with the kids, mm-hmm. right? You know, I know my son does that with his children. Um, it's just, this is our family night. This is what we're going to do. And you kind of get into that habit and everybody looks forward to it, right? It's that connection, creates that environment. Um And this is, you know, this is why effective habits are needed for mastering your alignment, which is like pillar number three in the dynamic balance effect. So it's about perpetuating, taking care of yourself and taking care of others in a way that becomes automatic, easy, and effortless, right? Because you just do it. You don't have to think about it. Oh, Friday night, you don't have to think about what are we going to do Friday night? What are we going to have for dinner? It just, you just know, oh, Friday night's movie night. Yay, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this thing. <laughs> so just a few um, points we've talked about quite a bit, right? We've talked about, you know, self and other. We've talked about beliefs and habits and how that supports, right? All of this supports resilience. So just a few takeaways for you. You probably already know when you replace those limiting beliefs with the liberating truths and you couple that with balancing, taking care of yourself and taking care of others, you're going to begin to feel more resilient and capable as an individual, right? While you're contributing to others. But the problem is you may not be able to sustain those positive outcomes because you haven't established the habits 
that support maintaining those liberating beliefs or managing that tension between self and others. Yeah. And you may not have noticed when you're doing well at managing the tension between caring for yourself and caring for others and have established habits or routines that sustain both. You begin to feel healthy, connected, and aligned. But now the problem is you start to have doubts about your ability to manage the challenges and changes you face because you haven't replaced your limiting beliefs with empowering beliefs. Yeah. And when you've established empowering beliefs and replaced your limiting beliefs with those liberating truths, you begin to feel kind of like you're on top of that mental game. It feels good, right? Yeah. Um, but the tension between taking care of self and taking care of others continues to increase. And you'll feel a little bit more stress and may even see a decline in your relationships because you're not managing the attention of taking care of yourself and taking care of others. So if you've experienced any of those problems or situations that we've just described, it's because one or more of these pillars, these components um, is out of whack, right? So you really need <laughs> the integration of all three to really get into that flow state, right? To that, that place where it's easy and effortless and you're not, you know, you're managing and leveraging that tension um, really yeah. well. Yeah, I just had this image come to me of chakras being out of whack. We know what the dynamic balance effect is your pillars being out of whack. <laughs> Don't want one of those pillars crumbling. <laughs> it's, it's so true, right? So let's talk about a call to action um, after listening to today's podcast. You know, just identify one limiting belief that you have related to being resilient, right? Just, just come up with one for yourself, write it down, and then flip it into a liberating truth. Um, so empowering. And, um, you know, so, and then, then replace it, right? Um, and it could be like, um, taking care of my needs first allows me to care for others. So find that one belief for you. And then um, pick one habit to implement and track it consistently for 67 days, right? And why 67 days, Tracy? Well, because that's about how long it takes. It can take longer, but it takes at least that long to get the habit established. And so here's the tough part. If you miss a day, you got to start over, right? Because you're creating a neural pathway. So you mm-hmm. got to keep that, you know, you've gotta, you're got to. you kind of carving that path in your brain. And so you have to keep doing it. So if you miss a day, start over, recount 67 days from there. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? It really is about deciding, folks. In the end, it's just deciding this is how I'm going to yep. do things from now on. And once you make the decision and you do, you just do it. So yeah. It's really about deciding. Yeah, it is. So true. Yeah. Wow. What a great episode. That was fun. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the episode today. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay strong. See you next time. See you. Bye. Thanks as always for listening to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. You can find show notes and links at our website, missinglogic.com forward slash new dash podcast. If you're the kind of leader who wants to help others, then share this podcast with your peers and other healthcare leaders. We're certain if you found value in it, they will too. Please share this on your social media channels and leave us a review in iTunes. 
If you don't know how to leave a review, you can find instructions at the end of the show notes. We'd also love to hear and answer your questions. So if you have some questions, you can email us at questions at missinglogic.com. And we may include your question in a future episode. 